0: Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Best I Can. My name is Bailey. This is our 10th episode. I can't even believe it. Let's get into it. Hello, how is everyone doing? Hopefully you are all having an amazing day. If not, I'm so glad you're here every feeling and mood is welcome today we are going to be talking about a part two of my boundaries series before we get into that i'm just going to do a little catch up on life so it's actually only been one day since i filmed so not filmed recorded and so not too much has happened since my last episode um i think I'm trying to think, honestly, not that much. There's just preparation for going back to school. I know, so the Delta variant um, is all over the news right now, and it's looking like not a great situation, and so there's this uncertainty right now with colleges. Are we going to go back to half capacity in classes? Um, A lot of mask mandates are starting to be returned, and feelings with that, like I thought we were kind of moving away from masks, and... Like when, when COVID was going on, my school did a blended learning. So we <clears throat> so last year it was half in person, half online. So each class was only 50 capacity. And then depending on the day of the week, you would switch whether you were online or in person to limit um, the groups. And so that's always a possibility that if the Delta variant you know, gets spread around and as serious as the last um, COVID-19 variant was then there's a possibility of going back to that hybrid. I mean, there's a possibility of not being able to go back. There's a possibility that Welcome Week is going to be changed again, is going to be canceled, is going to be different, isn't going to happen. And just with my job working for the College of Business, I'm the one I'm helping plan this big kickoff event for the College of Business for all the new students and returning students with the clubs and and getting events ready and it's like if none of that can happen in person it's just going to be a lot of work to shift back to zoom now luckily because we've already been through this with obviously last year it would be a lot less work than it was the first time around because we already have everything in place and it's it's pretty easy everyone knows how to work um, virtual events so that's a plus I guess that nothing is really going to be new it's just we're going back to the old way that we were doing it and i'm ex- i was really excited for school to be back to pretty much normal. My classes were going to be full capacity. I'm vaccinated, ever all my friends are vaccinated, and work we were going to be back um cuz when i was at work last year, i was in my office and we really weren't supposed to interact that much and a lot of professors didn't even go into their offices and ver- um office hours were virtual, so it was very like limited capacity. And so I was excited for things to go back to normal in the work environment. And it just, productivity is a lot easier when I can walk over to my boss's office and ask her questions. And so I'm just really, as much as I am excited about possibly things going back to normal at school, or they were going to go back to normal at school, I also want to take the necessary precautions with this Delta new variant. And I know a lot of people are complaining about the mask mandates going back and how we just got them off and we got the vaccine and all this stuff. And I just think that for me, the way I feel about it is I'm going to take whatever precautions necessary to keep myself and everyone around me safe. So if I start wearing masks again, I will gladly wear masks again. It's something I'm totally willing to do. And I hope that, you know, we remember that even if we're sick of doing this and sick of COVID and... I mean this is our reality and just because we're sick of it doesn't mean we just get to stop caring about other people or ourselves and like I said I am vaccinated so you know I've taken all the precautions that I can and even if though I'm vaccinated I'm still more than willing to wear my mask and I'm my sister actually is a nurse and she got moved to the COVID unit in her hospital and they're getting a, t- a ton of new patients because this variant and she says she said it's like a war zone she called it and so you know just thinking about people who are doctors and nurses and in healthcare care for them as well we can wear our masks so as much as it sucks I mean I just feel like it's all happening over again and as as hopeless as that can feel at the same time at least we're like more prepared this time at least we've kind of been through it this time and it's not a new foreign thing to us so just processing that all these unknowns I don't really know what to expect but I already had a year with like half the college experience so if I have to have that again I mean I've already done it one year and I still made the most of it and I still had a great time and still made friends and me and my roommates are still going to live together and maybe classes aren't the same and events aren't the same and but, I mean, we're still going to have fun. We're going to make the most of it. And so, I'm just trying to stay positive. I'm trying to not just assume the worst. I'm trying not to fall into this, like, hopeless feeling of, is this, like, forever? Like, is this what we're going to be experiencing? Like, is it just going to keep mutating? And are there going to be all these new variants? And, yeah, it's an overwhelming feeling. But I think at the same time, I'm trying to stay hopeful. And I'm trying to stay positive, And I'm trying to stay in the present. And, you know, I, I'm feeling okay about it. And I feel like... We're all just like experts at this point on how to deal with this. So I'm just gonna keep doing what I can do and try not to stress too much about it and cross every bridge as I come to it instead of stressing about it a mile out. So like I said, this is part two to my boundaries series. So I just finished reading a book called Boundaries by Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend. And if you have not um, listened to that first part, I highly recommend you go listen to that first part because it'll help preface this second part and also just give you a more like 101 look into boundaries and help you just kind of follow the series along. Not sure how many more I'm gonna do, if this might be the last one, or maybe I'll make one more after this. And then if I feel called like later to reapproach certain topics with boundaries, then I will. But just based on the book, this might be my last one or second to last one depending on how much information i'm able to cover so let's just review what is a boundary right so a boundary is where are your responsibilities where do they end where do they begin what's your responsibility what isn't what do you allow of yourself what don't you allow of yourself what do you allow yourself to be exposed to what do you not allow yourself to be exposed to instead of thinking of a wall we think of a fence with gates that's the analogy that we talked about in the first part and the analogy that the book uses that i really like and we want and again the phrase that we talked a lot about was keeping the good in and the bad out and we have gates to let things flow in let things flow out and and our boundaries are permeable and breathable and they change and they move and they're not harsh line um harsh walls that isolate us so that is kind of what we talked about in the first episode in the first episode we also just broke down the basic parts or like terms or categories associated with boundaries and in this next part we are going to be talking about the main type of boundary problems and there's four main ones that this book breaks kind of boundary problems or like almost like personality types in a way what you naturally fall towards there's four different ones and when i talk about these you guys so when i first started reading this book in this this is the second chapter of the book only and I naturally just started thinking about other people and naturally was like thinking about oh well this is this person and oh yeah I totally know a person that does that and oh they're this category and while that's okay to some extent I think as we talk about this and as you read it really try to focus on yourself because the whole point of boundary is is you're figuring out what your boundaries are and you're putting them on yourself and not other people because we can't control other people. So you're responsible for yourself, your own actions. So as I talk about these, I think it's a good idea to an assess what other people may be, what they naturally have, and especially what your parents had growing up. I think that highly, highly influences what you have now. And I'll talk more about that in my personal experience. But... I think so it's okay to think about other people like how does that affect you but we're focusing on ourselves and how we can fix ourselves and don't be so focused on oh yeah like my boyfriend or ex-boyfriend totally was the avoidance boundary injury style like just focus on yourself and I just think let's just all try to be self-aware here and honest with ourselves as we go over these Okay, so I have some coffee out here and I was just taking a little sip of the coffee. Let's dive into the first type. Again, there's four, and then you can be a combination of them, but there's four kind of main ones. So the first one is compliance. These are, they say yes to bad and they can't say no. So this is the type, they're often run by their guilt or their shame. They find themselves not being able to say no Um, and they find to the bad things or things they don't have energy for or things they don't really want to do. So this is people who struggle with saying no, and they typically say yes to the bad or to things they don't want to really do or don't have time for. And I think this is one of the most common in women because I think part of it is societal. The way that we're raised is very much so Say yes, even when you don't want to, and not even in a physical sense, in a sense of that, I think there's this like ingrained that we're supposed to be like caretakers and we're supposed to be selfless. And when we look at the family dynamic and the nuclear family, that typically is what the perfect wife has looked like in this diluted, weird sense. And so, I think society does just kind of train us, it's people who are scared to say no because they're scared of the repercussions and they're a scared of they're scared of abandonment and they're they're usually like they say yes to keep the peace and they don't want to like ripple make any ripples in the water or like upset anyone um they're they're just like kind of like you want to keep the peace and usually i think as well sometimes the compliance they can be their identity is very rooted in Oh my gosh the scariest noise you guys was just behind me holy crap I literally almost just threw up there was a squirrel right behind me and it started making like this really creepy noise and I thought it was like oh my gosh I thought it was like a wolf or something I'm not okay hang on okay that was that was just like a lot anyway I feel like their identity is very like rooted in what they can do for other people And I feel like this group oftentimes feels taken advantage of, um, or doesn't feel like they're, they'd be loved if they stopped helping people. It's very tied to their identity. And so this um this book also talks a lot about childhood and how these different types are often traced back to how you were raised so these this type they it traced back to their childhood or like an important person in their early life that never allowed them to say no or set boundaries and their boundaries weren't respected when they tried to set them and that's a really dangerous way to raise your kids in this world because it is such an evil world and there is so such bad things in the world obviously there's so much good at the same time but I mean the world can be a really scary dangerous place and you want to raise your children to be able to say no and to distinguish like good and bad and to be able to say no and have that power and I feel like these parents were like the parents that were like my way or the highway or like never really let them let their kids like say no and never let them have boundaries no and they were very controlling this type was also probably raised in an environment where the emotional stability or emotional health was placed on or felt like it was placed on the shoulders of the child so if you felt like you were responsible for your parents emotional stability or their emotional health or their needs then you most likely became this compliant person because you felt like you you, there was too much to rock the boat it was too much to be quote-unquote difficult so you became a people pleaser and yeah this type definitely allows themselves to be manipulated often and they typically fall into being manipulated the easiest just because they're willing just to say yes so fast and willing to agree to things and you know within growing up kids should be able to say no I disagree I will not I choose not to stop that I don't like that that's wrong those are phrases that kids should learn how to say because those are vital in life and in adulthood and being able to have like a moral compass and those are boundary-building words that they should be able to say to their parents and to their siblings and and like you should have a space a home where no is okay And obviously, like, I think kids need to be obedient to their parents. And there's that aspect. But I think it's, there should be room for discussion. That's the most damaging thing is when parents don't leave room for discussion. I always hated when I was growing up, my parents would be like, if I would try to just explain myself or want to, like, just say something I never was allowed to, it was always, like, don't talk back. And I'm like, well, a conversation is talking back a conversation is literally talking to each other like there was not a lot of space for that especially my younger years and so I think that can be really damaging and that actually made it so a lot of my me and my siblings we struggle and I think most of us I can't speak for them but I feel like a lot of us would say that we see this in ourselves and not blaming all my parents but I think that definitely was a part of it and so And I think another reason, too, is why parents don't let their kids say no or like won't let them have any discussion or won't even literally just talk to their kids about things or allow them to set boundaries is because it's temporarily easier for parents just to say, you're not allowed to say no. Like, that's temporarily easier. And I can imagine, like, I'm not a parent. I know it's probably like hard and annoying when your kids are like questioning you or like pushing back against things you're trying to do but I think leaving room and room for discussion and room for them to say no and obviously there's like dangerous situations where like no is not acceptable and like like when I think just teaching your kids to set boundaries and respect other people's boundaries is so important and I think you do that by a respecting their boundaries but also I think parents do that by by setting their own healthy boundaries and your your kids I think just mirror what they see in their parents and and I think that's just inevitable and I think that, like people who were raised this way or people who identify as this they have a hard t- they have a hard time realizing that they are their own being and they're not obligated to give every time asked and I think they have a hard time having a separate identity from those things because they feel like they have to say yes and they can't say no. And I want to read, it's on page 53, a short paragraph about this in the book. So um, it says, Compliant people have fuzzy and indistinct boundaries. They melt into the demands and needs of others. They cannot stand alone, distinct from people who want something from them. Compliance, for example, pretend to like the same restaurant and movies as their friends to just go along with it, to minimize their differences with others so as not to rock the boat. Compliance are chameleons. After a while, it's hard to distinguish them from their environment. And it was saying how they oftentimes have a bad radar for like um, evil things or like a bad radar for like reading people's internal like intentions and just distinguishing good people from bad people or good p- intentions from bad intentions. And they really have a hard time guarding their heart. Um, and then it this is what I really enjoyed so if you feel like this is you there's usually a main fear behind why you can't say no or why you always say yes and it lists some reasons slash fears of why you might be this way and I think it's really important to identify why and then also kind of try to unpack that and break away from that fear and like oh, speak truth over it and so here are some of the fears listed and if any of these resonate with you I encourage you just to kind of reflect on them. So why why can't they say no? Why can't this type why do they feel the need to say yes? And the first one is fear of hurting the other person's feelings. Fear of abandonment and separateness. Maybe it's a wish to be totally dependent on another or afraid of being independent or afraid of not being needed. A fear of someone else's anger. Fear of punishment, fear of being ashamed, fear of being seen as bad or selfish, fear of being unspiritual, fear of one's overstrict critical conscious. So those are just some fears I really relate to because I do identify as this. This is one of the boundary problems that I have. I think I have a fear of hurting people's feelings. I have a fear of abandonment. I have a fear of other people's anger. I have a fear of my. I have a very overstrict critical conscious conscience so I think that's some that I personally really s- that stuck out to me and like I said I feel like this group is so commonly resentful deep down inside and so I think that's something that it's really important to unpack and take responsibility over and realize that you have the power to say no and you have the power to not say yes and and when you should say yes, and, 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 learn why you feel so guilty when you, when you say no, and, or even when you think about saying no, or when you feel resentful, so I think think about some of that, and like I said, this is me, I am a compliant, that's one of my boundary weaknesses, so, and if you, again, as we're talking about these, like, if you, I think it's important to, unpack these not only alone internally but also with a therapist or with a support group or someone that you know who's safe to talk about it with don't do this like we talked about in the first one and they say in the book don't do it in a vacuum you can't do it alone bring other people in with you into this and get their encouragement and their opinions and and ask them like do you see me saying yes when I really should be saying no type thing And you know like I said it's okay to do nice things but the idea is to do them out of want and not fear because real love isn't motivated by fear. Let's go now to number two or type two. This is the avoidant type. So this is saying no to good things. This type often has a hard time asking for help or letting themselves be helped or letting themselves be loved. They're they're afraid of it for some reason um, or they feel unworthy of it and I think it does come from a deep feeling that they don't deserve to be loved and I think it is a, fee- a lot of times afraid of the intimacy that comes with being loved and why they just say no to good things because it seems like it's easier at the time and less scary that way, but I think they often avoid an opportunity to let others love them the way that they love others they want to give and give and never receive and so like I think sometimes people are the nicest people ever but they just don't feel loved in return but it's not because no one loves them it's because they just like don't let it in or they don't realize it and I think they are forgetting that this type forgets that boundaries are fences not walls they look at them as harsh walls nothing can get in and you can't be isolated in your castle with your moat of fear it's a lonely life and it's not one that we're meant to live and so like with the compliant the first one I feel like they don't even have really boundaries they just let everything in and out maybe a few where the avoidant is these thick walls there that they can't let anything out or in and, you know, it is scary letting others in because it can lead to getting hurt. And most often this type is is from past experiences, past trauma, past getting hurt. And then you just turn to this extreme of never letting anyone in, never letting anyone love you. Because maybe in your childhood, your parents hurt you in a way or they weren't there for you. Or like, I think it's absolutely rooted in fear of experiencing the same hurt that you've experienced before again or watched other people experience. But when you rely on your good boundary skills to protect you, like, I think that for me at least, so I struggle with this type mainly in romantic relationships. I talked about this in my first episode a little bit with that one quote that people have to take responsibility for resisting love. I struggle with this in my romantic relationships. This is the type of boundary I have. I have a wall and I don't let anyone in. I don't give anyone a chance because I'm afraid of being hurt. I'm afraid of that sort of intimacy. And then, yeah, so this is what the type that I naturally, the boundary problems I naturally have in that setting. But one thing I'm trying to work on is trusting myself and relying on my good boundary skills that I'm building to protect me and to let those walls down let let yourself be loved let love in try to let someone in and and entrust yourself that say something arises that potentially could hurt you that you trust yourself and you trust your 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 what's the word i'm looking for you trust your boundary skills and you also trust god for me and that you trust that as things arise that you'll be able to protect yourself love and hurt do go hand in hand but in my opinion having love and letting love in is worth some of the hurt and you can minimize it and you can in the end grow from it and so for me i'm just working on this so much but i don't think the answer is just to close everyone out but it is easier but it's lonely it's lonely it's so lonely So don't let past trauma or hurt hold you back from future love or feeling love. Because right now I absolutely promise you that there are so many people around you that love you. And you're just maybe not realizing it. And like I said in the first episode, there is a God that loves you no matter what. That you were created, you're on this earth, like you have a purpose, he wants you here, he loves you and and so even if that's even if you have zero people in your life which i know that you guys do even if you have no even if you have no one else that love is like the most strong and pure kind ever it's the definition of love and so even with if it's just that that's enough that you should let that in and just like fully let that fill you up and encompass you and enrich you and just fill you up and and I think it would just make such a big difference for this avoidant style, avoidant boundary weakness style. And so you can be both. You could be compliant avoidance. And that's kind of what I naturally am. And these people kind of have reverse boundaries, reversed boundaries. That's hard to say. Yeah, so they have reverse boundaries. So it's like they let bad in, keep good out if you're both of these things and that's just a really hard place to be but if you feel like that's you you don't have to stay in that place you have the power to learn how to have proper boundaries and I absolutely recommend reading this book and other resources and going to therapists or people you trust and love and working on this so the next kind is controllers This type is controllers, and these are people who do not respect other people's boundaries. They just bulldoze right through them. These are people that have a hard time accepting or hearing other people's no. I think that this type, again, like all of them, relates back to your childhood, and most likely in your childhood your no was also not respected and your no was not heard you weren't allowed to set boundaries there was someone in your life who just bulldozed right through them and they had the power quote-unquote power over you to do that because you were a child and so I think that again like all of this does relate back this type is often like typically you see like a bully in a movie is like the easiest to identify this type is sometimes the easiest to identify because they can be so aggressive and so um yeah aggressive and they just are very like forward about it typically and I think about like they probably this type had a controlling parent that caused them to then go control others to regain a sense of control and so I think that's just the typical like bully. Like, you see a bully at school, and then you find out that their dad is abusive at home. It's, it's, you have to, people are trying to gain a sense of control, and they often do that by infringing on other people's boundaries. They resist taking responsibility for their own lives, so they need to control others. And a lot of times they see the word no as an open ended statement that can be changed, or persuaded, or ignored. And there's two types of controllers, that the book talks about. There's the aggressive, so this is often the abusive or just like they they bust through a boundary by force, or a- ignoring it. And then there's the ma- the manipulative, and these are the people who often less recognizable, um, often don't really you can't really see it as easy, or they want to ignore it. But these are the persuaders, the yeah manipulators the people who hear a no and then try to persuade you to change your mind or guilt trip you to change your mind and you can actually be a compliant an avoidant and a controller but normally you're gonna fall into the manipulator so you might say yes when you should say no you might say no when you should say yes and you also might be manipulative manipulative, and not listen to other people's no so you can be I mean all three but typically it's going to be the manipulative if you're all three and i like this quote it's caring for someone so that they'll care back for us is simply an indirect means of controlling someone else let me say it again caring for someone else so that they'll can comp- care back for us is simply an indirect means of controlling someone else or manipulating someone If you attach a price tag to every time you help someone or a need for them to do something in return or you're going to use it against them later to try to manipulate them into helping you later, I mean, that is a form of manipulation. True love, true actually just like doing someone a favor doesn't come with strings attached. Someone in my life I know, she is so caring and gives and is amazing and helps so many people. But if you don't send her a million thank you cards and, and, and bring it up every time you see her, it's like the biggest deal in the world and she'll act so like hurt by it and she'll act like you're so ungrateful if you don't immediately send her a thank you card. And, and while I do understand that, and you should be grateful and you should express your gratitude, you don't need to guilt people. And it's not even genuine then. Like it's not even genuine then if I know I have to do all of that or she'll throw a fit. And, and so I just think that's a good example of this. And I feel like usually it's just a very like undisciplined type because they never just disciplined themselves to like take no and like accept it. And I think that they rarely feel loved deep down inside because they, I think they know on some level that if they stopped controlling others, Or if they stopped forcing other people, then they would be abandoned. Or, and that might not be true, but they might feel that on a deep down level. Like, if I stopped, no one would actually ever love me then. Or no one would show up for me if I stopped forcing it. Or they're too afraid to see what would happen if they do stop. And I think it's so important. That's why they say when you're on a date with someone, even a first date, to say the word no to something. And see how they react. I think how someone reacts to the word "no" says so much about them, and I think this can be one of the most damaging. Um, this can be one of the most damaging, like, be uh, boundary issue because it it just busts through your boundaries. Like it it's it's so breaking of yours because they just completely ignore them, and I think it's so hard to build healthy boundaries when someone is like this and if you feel like you are like this it's okay like I think it understand that it is probably a byproduct of the way you were raised and now that you're aware of it you can start taking the steps to work on it and also to not let your anger control your actions when you feel angry because someone says no okay you feel angry but you let them have that no And it's gonna get easier and it's going to take hard work but every single one of these takes hard work every single time you work on building healthy boundaries it takes hard work like I said you can't be complacent and the last type is number four and this is the non responsive type these are the ones that again I think this is a type of wall and it's not hearing the needs of others it's not allowing gates in your fence or wall it's just not even recognizing that you have a responsibility to other people you're not responsibility f- you're not responsible for other people but you have a responsibility to other people and it's this type doesn't see that so they don't let their love flow out through their gate to help other people or take care of the people they have a responsibility to in their life and I feel like this type is most often seen in neglect and I think this is really common with parents you see usually one or two parents who neglect their children and they neglect their responsibility to them they neglect their emotional needs their physical needs they ignore what that they are within their boundaries because they're their children and I think this is so damaging because this type is the most when you're neglected as a child it's the least validated type of damage because nothing's being done to you you have don't really have anything to show like look what they did to me it's look what they never did for me look how they never showed up for me look how they never and it's the least type of validated but it is very damaging as well and If you feel like you're this type or you're recognizing that maybe your parents were this type, I think that you're in on the right path. Just don't forget that emotional connection to those in your life is a vital part of living life to its fullest and it is within your responsibility. So I'm going to read from the book, it's on page 60 and it breaks down the two type of types of non-responsive so the first one is those who are critical towards others needs which is a projection of their own self-hatred of their needs onto others and so they hate being incomplete in themselves as a result they ignore the needs of others and the second type is those who are so absorbed in their own desires that they and the needs of themselves that they exclude the needs of others and this would be a form of narcissism god wants us to take care of ourselves so that we can help others without moving into a crisis ourselves so it's ignoring the part of okay you have to then go help others right and it's letting that outflow it's the reason we have a gate One of the saddest things to me, and I see this in my life, is that most often we see a compliant or avoidant marry a controller or non-responsive because it allows both of them to stay in their natural state of their broken boundaries with the least amount of resistance, right? So a controller and a a non-responsive want someone with blurry boundaries who will let them control them, who will say yes when they should say no, who will avoid they're like the non-responsive is afraid to give love so naturally you might see them with an avoidant who's afraid to accept love and so it makes me so sad when i see relationships with these two kind of almost polar opposite ends and then it feeds into this it's toxic cycle of their broken boundaries and and it just is so sad to me and i think it's so common but at the same time if you can work through both of your natural boundary struggles then you have this amazing ability to complement each other so it's not this like hopeless oh we are the worst type of couple and we just like are this toxic cycle like you have the ability to grow out of that and have this beautiful complementary relationship or friendship So those are the four different types. There's the compliant, there's the avoidant, you can be a combination, there is the controller, there is the non-responsive. And again, these are highly connected to the family you were raised in or the first few like impactful relationships that you had. Next the next chapter talks all about child development and boundary development and how growing up each stage of your development as a human your childhood development there's all these different stages like on a psychology level how within each of those different boundaries develop and how if they're not developed correctly then we see them showing up as one of these boundary problems so i won't get into all of that but i think how you grow up is so important in understanding your boundary problems and your boundary strengths and why you are the way you are But how you grow up isn't an excuse anymore i think i am very guilty of this just excusing my unhealthy or toxic behavior with the excuse of oh well that's just how i grew up and it's because x y and z happened to me while i grew up but i feel like it really can't be an excuse anymore it's an explanation to why you are the way you are but you can work on it and you can grow through it and you have the power and the responsibility over that so it's not really an excuse anymore it's an explanation but don't allow it to be an excuse that there's this quote in here it says the past is your ally in repairing your present and ensuring a better future so the rest of the book breaks that down and it goes into each specific like Um, type of boundary and each specific relationship you have in a typical life and different boundaries to set within that. One chapter I really enjoyed was boundaries in the digital age talking about boundaries with technology and your phone. That was super interesting and boundaries with your parents, with your siblings, with your with work. Boundaries with work was a really interesting chapter that I found super impactful and so I Again, highly recommend that you guys read this book. And again, it's Boundaries by Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend. So a few more things right as we go here. I just want to remind you that boundaries are an amazing tool and asset to preserve our soul's health. And that there should be looked at like a a fence with gates rather than a wall to isolate ourselves. And that it's important to remember to communicate your boundaries and that we can't do this in a vacuum and we're not meant to do it alone. So thank you guys so much for listening today. I hope today you know that you are loved, you are seen, and you are heard. And thank you for hearing me.